Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first Coffee Club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 87, and on today's episode, Dimitri and I were joined by AJI Quinta and Isaac Alamon Jr. Both of these dudes have been on the podcast before, and we wanted to chat about a few different things with them before their hunting seasons kick off. Isaac shares what's going on now that TAC is over and what's in store for his upcoming season. AJ jumps down a rabbit hole talking gear and we absolutely had a blast with it. From muleys, bows, shooting, and gear, this episode has it covered. This was a fun one to record. Sit back and enjoy and antler up. Before we get into this episode, I want to share with you a few discount codes that will help you save some money and get ready for the upcoming hunting season. The Elk Collective is the virtual elk hunting resource with tons of videos and information to get you ready to chase elk this upcoming season. Use code PODCAST and save $30 today at theelkcollective.com. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. New things are on the horizon, so use code ANTLERUP to save 25% off your Spartan Forge membership at SpartanForge.ai. Before we get into this episode, let's thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino and Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail and Featherlight knives are amazing for anything, but especially out in the field. Shea's creativity, high quality materials, functional but unique designs, coupled with his precise leatherwork, make products that will last a lifetime. Check them out over at ShayButlerKnives.com. We're live. We're back. We, uh, Dimitri and I have some two good buddies of ours on, and uh, it's funny. They're tied for the lead for most appearances on the Antler Up podcast right now. So we got AJ Iquinta with Knights of the Apex, and we have Isaac Aleman Jr. with Black Rifle Coffee. Fellas, thank you so much for coming on. What's going on? Not much, man. Just living the dream, you know? Bows, mule deer, you name it. <laughs> and coffee. <laughs> That's it, man. Thanks for having us on, guys. Uh, we're excited. So what uh you guys a couple weeks ago were together doing a nice little gallivant tour of black rifle coffee down in Texas, right? Uh yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we are uh helping our good friend out, uh Brady. He just got uh on board. Um, that's who you should have on next is Brady for sure. He's right. that dude's full like knowledge, everything, you know, but help him get squared away over there with some archery stuff and, you know, and just grab some good content, you know, and just 
just overall a good time, man. You know, with good people. So that's exciting. AJ, what about you, man? What was that trip for? Man, it was awesome. I so as with everything with uh, the Alamans, I I just sign up and then I find out what I'm doing after, and it always <laughs> ends up being pretty epic. So um, this was no different. I literally just you know I had a plane ticket and I showed up to the airport and then I got picked up and the black rifle coffee, uh, pickup truck. And, uh, it was just kind of off to the races from there. <laughs> and, uh, I was just along for the ride. So, but no, it was, it was great. I loved it. Spent the week with Brady and, uh, and Isaac and, uh, it, it was great. We got to uh, build some relationships with some of the, the local, um, archery shops down there in, in Texas and, uh, Austin and San Antonio, which is really cool. Uh, leading edge archery had, uh, their elk, Elkapalooza, which was their first event. They had a couple of guest speakers like Ryan Carter and other guys there, which was cool. Um, so we were, we were uh, there representing Black Rifle Coffee for that. And then, yeah, we were helping out around the ranch, just um, getting some stuff ready for some archery content and events and uh, setting some stuff up for the future. And uh, that's that's what Brady's going to be doing for those guys down there is, um, you know, uh, similar to what Isaac's doing in Salt Lake City. Uh, that's what he's going to be doing down in San Antonio. So should be really cool. I'm excited to see um see what they do and uh, it was just cool watching these guys work and just getting to see some of the inner workings of the company and um just uh how these guys interact with the community and how invested they are in, in archery and bow hunting it uh it really had an impact on me i, I was uh, i felt very honored leaving there to call myself even a small part of uh, of what they're doing awesome I think it was really cool to just see how the two of you kind of, you know, are sharing just what you're, you're doing, like hitting a bow shop, just because that's really neat. Just going to different places like that, just to, for the support. Uh, and like you said, just within the community, it's, it, it is, it's really important and fascinating, especially too, for the veteran community of what archery has, is becoming. Uh, what's kind of funny is I had a, a good friend from high school. His name is Luke and he worked for warrior wounded warrior project for, I want to say about five years and he's been out with them now for about five years. And we met in state college for dinner one night. And I was like, dude, you got to get some of these guys. Cause he would take them to all these events, like do some awesome killer stuff. I'm like, you got to take them and find someone like to do archery. I'm like, it's going to be coming up in the community. There's a lot of really cool people. You know, this guy, John Dudley has this knock on thing. I know he really supports veterans. And this is, like I said, like five, six years ago. And here we are today of what it is. And he missed his call. And I think he could have found his niche pretty good, like early on with you guys. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is cool to see uh, that, you know, there's a couple of organizations. I mean, BRCC, they're heavily invested. They see it as a great avenue, obviously, for getting veterans out there and, and you know, in nature and using their skill set that they have just in uh, in a different setting. And, you know, I'm working with another organization, Noden's. Um, outdoors who they're they're more specialized than what brcc doing is doing because they come out of the the special ops um community so they're really kind of focused with a much smaller group they don't have the the resources yet that uh you know someone like brcc has but it's cool seeing these this influx of veterans come in because you know we were talking to brady about this a lot during the week and uh you know they bring a uh, an accountability and a a and qualifications that, you know, is kind of rare in the industry, you know, so it's, it's something that, that I think it's going to be good for the industry, just this influx of veterans coming in and, and what they bring. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for the future of that. Sweet. 
Well, I know in our area there is a, a group that does fly fishing for veterans in around the state college area, but I, I'm pretty uh, sure there's nothing with archery, which I think would have a huge exposure in this area if someone would just, you know, put it together and, and really emphasize of, you know, spending a little bit of time with these people and, and would really make a huge benefit, um, you know, and I think, you know, someone just needs to kind of step up and, 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 and you know, do it even if you don't have a big group, right? You yep. know, you don't have to have 50 to 100 people there. I mean, if you can kind of help out five five guys, I mean, you're helping out five guys. So I think if, you know, smaller things popped up in these more local communities, right. it would make a bigger difference and be more widespread across the whole country. Yeah, that, that was one thing that came up a lot is, uh, you know, talking to different veterans was, was you know, the, once they got out, finding that purpose again. You know, so whether it's, you know, whether it's archery or, you know, whatever it is, it could be golf, jujitsu, you know, whatever it is, but, but getting people out there and involved and, you know, in in the community and that extends to to all areas, but definitely we got to take care of our, our veterans. So it's, it it was cool from an outsider's perspective that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, hired on by, by black rifle. It was just, it was really impactful to see like the, you know, the, the lack of discussion of selling coffee. Yeah. And the, the amount of discussion in just helping people, you know, that was really cool. That's awesome. Isaac, now with Total Archery Challenge wrapped up and like you said, moving in the house and some muley hunting and all that type of stuff. How is like, how is your transition from that in crazy uh, summer that you just had? Oh man, it's a... Uh... It wind down quite a bit. It's, uh, you know, just less rowdy. Now everyone's just getting everyone ready for the hunts now. But, I mean, yeah, it was one heck, like, for a 10th year total archery, you know, like, it's unreal. I, I would have never thought, yeah. you know, that it, I would be, like, I'd never been to Pennsylvania or Michigan. <laughs> I'd never been, like, that far out of state. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just one of it's still to me it's unreal what 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 was your thoughts on uh and what you had a question that i know that you wanted to ask like what was your favorite what's up uh like what was your favorite course uh throughout that whole tack summer session Uh, oh man honestly i would say um the last snowbird that's i mean not only it was like it's home of total archery but i mean that's that's one hell of a challenge. Like right. that's, that's totally like total archery challenge. That's, that's putting it to like, yeah, you're, you're ready to lose some arrows. Like yeah. That. Yeah. We, <laughs> I, I, we shot the Yeti. Yeti. Yeah. Yet, Yeti on Saturday. And I was able to shoot uh, when I was seeing you Sunday before I left, I was able to yeah. shoot like the first nine shots on the knock on course. And I honestly, next year, I think when we go, I'm, if I'm shooting two days, I'm shooting that knock on course both days because the scenery was just so much better. Yeah. Uh, the layout, the t- like the technical oh, yeah. of the shots were just so awesome. Everything about it was just, yeah. I don't want to say like, I, I'm not putting it down. But, you know, com- shooting Saturday of the Yeti and like the local course, I even thought was better than than the Yeti course for like what we like. We only did a couple, but it's just as far as like just the scenery and stuff like that. Yeah. But once we Sunday, once I got up on that knock on course, I was like, whoa, this is it's just so much better. Yeah, it's like it's so funny. Those harder courses just have the, the most amazing views, you know. Like right. that's what that's what I love about it, and you know that's what like what I take out of this whole experience too is 
seeing the veterans or like, you know, or civilians, you know, like that barely know anything about archery. Um, they're up there. They're still having a good time. You know, like it was just, it was happiness. You know, it's like a med, like a meditation of like, everyone was just, you know, shooting foam, like doesn't, don't even care where they hit, you know, no competition, Yeah. you know, and Evan, um, last year, at big sky, he made a little speech. He said, if you're, taking this serious or like comp- competitive or just have a bad attitude mentally and everything like you need to go, you need to go, yeah. like you need to, find, you need to like, you need to find another place. Cause we're all, we're all about having fun, having a good time. And that's what we're here for. You right. know, we're here to have, just have a good time. You know, I you think know, we had, I was like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm over here. I'm like, dude, yeah. <laughs> I like this. It's party. Dude. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's what I'm all about, you know? And but yeah, it's dude, that's, that's what I take away from my experience, you know, and just helping getting like those first timers out, you know, yeah. and, and just helping fixing, fixing other people's setups. Cause I've been down that road. Right. I don't want them to get that frustration. Just like, you know, they're up there just having a bad, bad mentality of just like, man, I'm not going to shoot good. So why am I even up here? You know, like, yeah. you know, just those like quick fixes is what. What I, I what's pretty neat though, is you had the summer, I got, you know, say before TAC really started kicking off, you're getting everybody, you know, that is, are attending that works with you, their bows mm-hmm. ready for TAC. Now we're transitioning into the hunting season. So now you're like resetting yeah. things up and getting them ready. How, how, like, how's that been going for you? Uh, that one's been, it's actually not as bad as total archery because not a lot of them. Uh, hunt, which is fine. You right. Know, you Absolutely. Don't, you, don't to, you don't need to hunt, you know, like you can just go shoot out there. Like it's, you know, it's for everyone. Yep. Like, but yeah, it's not as bad. Like it's not, it's not too bad now that I think I found my flow, like my, my groove and everything yep. as well. Getting those broadheads too. That, like, so that, te- that Texas trip too, you know, yeah. it actually helped uh, like brainstorming of like what I needed, you know, like AJ and Brady freaking had good inputs, you know, and it's just like, just notes, man, you know, just take, taking down notes that whole trip and dude actually helped me out and just made me prepared one step about like, you know, like every time. One thing that was really cool for me is watching junior coach new archers. That's something that he does really, really well. And it's such a skill unto itself. Um, you know, it's cool because like, Junior could tune a bow and I could tune a bow and Brady or Dudley could tune a bow. And like we all have slightly different takes on things. So it's really cool when you, it's kind of like a, it's, it's like how, how we all speak, right? Like everyone's got a, their own cadence and, and little tweaks and things too. And it's just cool seeing other guys do it and how they do it. But it was really impressive watching junior work with all these new archers and seeing guys from the company that had never had very little to no experience shooting and how well they were shooting these tack courses was incredible. Yeah. I think that's good too. Cause you know, like everyone, like AJ said, everyone's different, you know, and everyone teaches in a different way. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm very open to that. You know, I don't like, I'm not, I'm not the type to where like you only have to learn from me, but like, no, like every, like every setup's different. Every, you know, like it, everyone's different. Right. Like plain and simple, but I mean, it's always good to have, like AJ, you know, Brady, um, you know, Dudley, you know, like 
pretty much just everyone just has a different learning, uh, kind of like a different little class that, you know, like they, they run, but, but, but yeah, no, it's been, no, that's like, you know, it's been awesome just teaching those new, like those new first timers and just seeing them light up when they hit foam, man. Like that's, that's like, that's what I love seeing from that whole experience, you know, and they're just like, man, I can never hit 60 yards or (laughs) seven. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, now, now, how are you guys transitioning from from the tack events and in, in your um, preparation for hunting season? You know, out on the outdoor uh, archery range. You know, for us, we kind of push the limits a little bit with our, you know, maybe in the spring leading up to tack and, and kind of getting prepared for those longer shots. But then, kind of afterwards, we don't really take those longer shots and we kind of dial it back to more realistic ranges that we're going to have in the whitetail woods. Um, or if we are going out west for that year, you know, how do you change it? Does your strategy change at all or some of your techniques or things that you do to prepare from the tax season into the hunting season? No, I mean, I keep, I keep mine the same, you know, like West, like for me, average shots are always going to be above 60 for me, you know, and I'm always like 60 yards, like cold board 60 or 70. That's like my, my sweet spot. So, I mean, that's where I've been practicing for attack too a whole lot. And just pretty much those are like my realistic shots too, as well. But I keep those the same, you know, I've very rarely, I, I usually do like 20, 30, 40, just in case like left and right's good, you know, trajectory's good kind of things, but yeah, not so much, but pretty much the same from tack through hunting season, you know, it's just kind of keep it simple, you know, cause if I start changing something up, I'd be like, Oh man, like what am I doing wrong? You know, get yep. into my head, but I mean, yeah, I just keep it the same. That's like you. You do, you kept that. I mean, kept everything the same. Pretty much from my arrow set up yeah. to bow yeah. set up. And, you know, basically I just throw a broadhead on. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, I for me, like, I keep two, like, different arrow setups. Like, I'll do a, a lightweight one for, like, I keep them both 5 millimeter axis, like 400, 300, you know, like hunting, like, toe archery. Right. You know? Like just that, you know, simple, so like no FOC, you know, none of that. Cause I mean, it's just, yeah, but I just keep this. I changed everything. <laughs> I, went, I went the opposite of you guys. No, I, yeah, I used, uh, I used tack as kind of like a proving ground for a whole bunch of kit. The only thing that I looked back at my gear and the only thing that was the same this year at tack from years past was my rest and my boots. Those are the only two things that carried over. So um, it was a good proving ground. I, I ended up reverting back to pretty much the same setup that I was running for hunting season last year. So I'm going back to the, the, the expedite with the, the equivalizer and a back bar and uh, spot hog site for right now. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I liked tack because it was a good shakeout, but I'm kind of like, uh, Isaac, when it comes to like practicing right now, I'll do le- just like tack. I'll do less shots and be intentional with every single shot. Kind of like you're walking up to a course or you you've got only one shot on an animal, but I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of practicing more at that 60, 70 yard range. Cause I've had those opportunities in the past and I didn't take them because of the lack of confidence. And, um, you know, I'm trying to kind of reshift my mindset to, uh, you know, if, if I've got a pin for it, I should be able to, to launch it. So, 
Um, and then, you know, I'm still doing the, the 20, 30, uh, 40 and, uh, and 50, but you know, for, for the whitetail woods, it's, it's a little different, right? Like I kind of have the, the one pin set up or the two pins set up and uh, you, you guys know how those whitetails move in and underneath you and everything happens really fast. So, uh, it's more just, um, shifting my mindset to, uh, you know, you start hearing those noises and it's time to kill sort of deal versus, uh, hitting foam on a, on a flat range. Well, I want to dive into your situation, AJ, just a little bit, because you have a phenomenal following with Knights of the Apex. And a lot of people know that's a gear page, right? And you've said it and that's, Photos are phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, man, I'm about to get some more. That's where I'm like, oh man, I need to switch up my arrow setup. Yeah, he's the, he's the master Jedi. <laughs> but but you have all this stuff at your disposal. Why are you going back to Old Faithful? Like you're going back to like, are you going back to the knock? I noticed the picture the other like yesterday. I think it was yesterday with the knock to it, and you know, no more. Uh, like you're switching, going back to Spot Hog. Why? Just like, and obviously you don't have to go, you, you go for what, whatever you feel comfortable saying, but just share that because a lot of people might have two, three different setups of bows and, you know, now it's time for old faithful because that's what you feel comfortable with going into the woods to kill. So explain, explain your, your side of things. Well, I think, you know, with archery and our setups, you're always, it's always a balancing act, right? Like you're very rarely, you know, one piece of gear or one setup doesn't, there's no such thing as one setup to rule them all. Right. Right. Like it's, you've got to figure out what works for you. So for me this year, especially, you know, the first half of the year up until just after I got back from San Antonio was really spent trying to find solutions to not problems, but things that I kind of felt were deficiencies. Right. So like, I loved, you guys know, like I talked it up so much. I loved my expedite. I loved my setup last season. Right. But it was a little heavy. So when I got the EVL and it was such a well-balanced bow, I went with some lighter components, um, some different setups. Right. And I ran that for months, you know, giving it a fair shot because I, I'm very much of the mentality like the, I I understand the, if it's not broke, fix it, but I've seen a lot of people get left in the dust and the competition catches up to them and they're still living 30 years ago because they just weren't willing to get out of their comfort zone. So I I never want to be that. I know, uh, I know I have setups that I'm confident with. I can always revert back to them. Right. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. There was a couple of things that, you know, the, I, I just felt more confident when I really looked at what bow I was shooting better, I was just shooting the expedite better, even though the EVL felt better in my hand, right? The results downrange, the the expedite, I was just getting better groups with. Um, arrow wise, you know, I'm, I'm messing with four different setups right now and I've narrowed it down to, to <laughs> two. Um, but they're all, but they're all honestly very, when, when you look at the ends of the setups, they're very similar. I'm running the same vein combination. I'm running a four fletch, uh, two degree, uh, bl- uh, Eastern bully vein, which has, you know, works on every broadhead, every ho- broadhead that's consistent that I've tried anyway, uh, out of my bow setup. So that's the same. And then point wise, right. I'm messing around with either 100 or 125 grand points. Cause that's what you can easily find, which does factor in, right? Like mm-hmm. God forbid you forget your broadheads. You want to be able to run to Gabella's or Bass Pro or your local archery shop and pick up more broadheads. So as much as it's cool messing around with the FOC stuff, and I think there's value in it, right? There's also a, especially right now, like COVID there's a whole convenience factor, 
you know, if you can only, I, I'm a big believer, if you can get your hands on two dozen arrows and it's a, a you know, say a mid price point arrow and you can build them up and tune them, that's better than having a dozen really expensive fancy arrows that you can't replace if you bust them all. Right. Like, right. so it, that's kind of just been my process is, you know, there's a couple of more tweaks that I'm going to be making, um, to, to my setup. Um, but it's really, you know, it, it's really just testing new stuff, seeing w- are there other options out there? And then, you know, at the end of the day, what are you most confident with? So you guys will see some, some different stuff, pop up on the page over the next couple months that I'm still not allowed to talk about, but it's, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is, uh, there's, so it's just trying to find solutions to problems. And then you find out, ah, well, that wasn't really a solution. Maybe I gained a little bit here, but I lost a little bit there. Let's say, okay, it's a lighter site, but it's not as durable. You know, I have, I, it's, it's, you know, maybe I don't have the adjustability or it makes a little noise or whatever it is, right? All those little things factor in. And I, I definitely went down a rabbit hole like you guys warned me about earlier this podcast. That's what I, that, that's what we've been waiting for. <laughs> I think, I think I would drive all three of you crazy because I do not get fancy in arrows. So my quiver probably has 300s, 340s. I don't know what the weight of either of them. Wow. I may even have some four fletch, some three fletch. You know, I just kind of put it on my bow, grip it, rip it, and as long as I'm hey, good, kill it, it, right? Hey, he's killing though. It don't matter. He's killing. Yeah, that's what matters, man. <laughs> yep. it, it is, man. And I, listen, I love messing around. So the page has almost become a detriment to my like quality of shooting <laughs> at this point because you know i'll get asked stuff or you know it, it's really cool like i love testing new stuff i love when you know i get a box and i'm like i have no idea what this even is and i don't know how i'm going to work this into my setups but um you know it's really cool because you're gaining that that knowledge like i can i can take a set of arrows from any company at this point i know basically how to get them to group well like trying to pick between those four setups i was talking about i'm totally splitting hairs i might as well pick you know, which logo I like better because they're all grouping really, really well. Yeah. How about for you, Isaac? Cause I know you have the, uh, the stealth, the mock stealth, uh, bow dialed in right now, which looks oh. sick too. Yeah. Do that. Uh, I have, yeah, I did that school knock with Dudley, you know, we worked together and he just showed me a ton of stuff that seriously up to my game and pretty, yeah. So pretty much I've, I mean, I left it as is, but with that, it's kind of like my cheat sheet okay. uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to doing other um, people's setups. And that's what I feel like it's been improving because I have an old bow that just sits back there and I'm just doing it, cut it, like, you know, cut the serving, redoing it, redoing it, like, you know, because my weakest point was center serving, right? Yep. Like I've never really done a whole lot and I'm like, you know what, like I need to get this down because I feel like this is really beneficial like official and pretty much did it over and over and why with aj like trying out products you know um we always we always get a, a ton at a time i just never use them but it's good because i'm testing them out through other people's setups when i set the employees bows up sweet and it's like and that's what and it gives me a shot a fair chance because like when i see him and how i set it up and how i'm working with them looking at it it just gives me like oh you know like this is actually pretty nice you know, and I'm like, like I'm sold on them. You know, there's a lot of stuff. And there's some stuff that failed, but you know, like could probably just be one. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, even like arrow setups as well too. Like arrow setups are the same, pretty much doing different ones for other people, like three fledge, four fledge, 
some with rap, no rap, brass, regular insert, you know, just like you name it, man. Like yeah. it's, that's how I test my products is through with other people's setups. And I think that's the best way to do it because it's not mine and I don't get into my head as much, you know? And I feel like that's, and that's the easiest way for me for how I do it. But yeah. And that's the, the cool thing too, is cause now like, you know, it's not just me messing with stuff. So like I'll, I'll shout out Isaac when like, he's giving me some tips on stuff or Brady and it's really cool. Like having so many more people to feed off of and, and just that database just gets up and up and up. One of my, the, the, what I'm most excited for, my wife's got a bow coming in and I can't wait to set that up. Cause I've never set up like a low poundage, super short draw bow. Oh. So yeah, you're gonna love it. So it's yeah. so easy to pull back. Yeah. <laughs> just like butter just all day, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I need to shoot this pounded. <laughs> it is time for this week's Vortex Nation highlight. I want to talk about a small piece of gear that can really help you out in the field during a hunt. That is the Vortex Lens Cleaning Pen. I mainly use this pen when my binos or rangefinder gets dirty. However, where this has also saved me a few times is when filming or taking photos when my sensor gets some dust or dirt on it. This little pen saved the day a few times for me this past season, and it is small, it packs extremely well, and it's dirt cheap. Check it out at vortexoptics.com. Now, that's sweet. I, I want to actually just real quickly go back and... When you were talking about getting new archers involved, and Isaac, how you said about, and AJ, you you know, kind of verifying, like seeing those people's faces, right? Mm-hmm. So, I I struggled uh, a little bit with like target panic over the last year. Uh, during some moments, I was doing really better, and then I would go back into some bad stuff, and it never it never happened to me within all my years of shooting, other than this past past year, basically over over, over time. And I got a backstrap release uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've been shooting it a lot. It has made shooting so much more fun again that I, I can't, I can't even honestly explain it. Because the other day when I was in, I was, I just went outside and I was just kind of blank bailing a little bit, and I was just at ten yards, and I have it set. I, I think for me, perfect and. I'm, I'm squeezing that trigger and my pin is staying on exactly where I'm aiming and I'm just pulling and I'm like telling myself like, just stay in the shot, stay in the shot. I'm pulling, pulling and then boom. And that sucker just goes exactly where I'm aiming it. And like, kind of like what you said about that face, the first time that happened to me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I could be good again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen it with people that, you know, like they've never done sports, you know, they never done any athletic type activities ever. And they like think like you need to be coordinated or somewhat. And I'm like, no, like get, like get that out of your head. Like, this is how you're going to do it. But this is not an overnight process. This is yeah. like, you need to put in like three days, like, you know, go to the gym, you yeah. know, yeah. but, but you're shooting stuff. That's like, you know, yep. and pretty much it's just, once you get it down with them, you know, like I start them out blank belling just to get them used to like over and over and over again, you know, and once that's set and then just get them out 20 yards, like work them out, you know, and dude, they're just like, they're like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Cause yeah. I've been thinking nothing 
nothing but like, okay, going through my shot process, you know, and that's what they need to be thinking about. Right. And that's where it was. It was up here for me. And I was shooting, I shot, I think a couple, the other day, my, my family, we went up to my in-laws and we're just shooting. And I, I was, like I said, just 10 yards. I ripped about 12, 15 shots with the back strap and I put my normal release on and I just stood there. I'm doing the same motion. Like it was, you know, repeating and it was just simple, that simple and that quick. And like my wife was even laughing, making fun of me because she doesn't shoot. And she's like, holy cow, you actually held that one for like some time there, Jared. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and so yeah. I, I and like I started moving back and I got to 35, like 33, 35 yards. And my first shot was good. My second one, I felt it just kind of hiccup a little bit and I just stopped and I walked back in switched to releases I put the back strap on I let another couple five to ten rip and then I went back and I shot a few more and kind of like what Dimitri said too earlier like now I'm starting to hone in like if I'm perfect at that 35 or in like that's what I want and Mm -hmm. uh but yeah that has been a lifesaver for me because it's made archery fun again and not just like am I good enough you know, am I good enough yeah. to just go out there and kill? Now I feel super confident again. I'm actually like kind of not thinking about anything. Whereas before I was always trying to go through like this cue, you know, like a bunch of cues in my head, just, okay, am I doing this? And as soon as I hit this or say this, like I could go like now I'm just like relaxing and I'm, I don't know. I was up in the saddle. I was practicing shooting that way. And at one point I was drawn back. My finger was over on, like I felt it on a trigger and I felt just like, not comfortable my string and I actually just like got readjusted all while my finger was still there and like before I would have been like shoot I gotta go like I gotta let it I gotta just send it and it's crazy how quickly that could change for you just by using that good training tool if you want it to work and I friggin' wanted that to work bad well yeah yeah, and, and I think the important thing, too, is, I mean, this is the first time you dealt with target panic, but there are guys that, like, they've gone in and out. And I think, too, learning your vulnerabilities for when target panic starts to set in and not having an ego about it, right? Like, there are um, – I know, like, you know, if, if I've been training a lot and my shoulders are tweaked up, tweaked up, you know, maybe take a day off or two, right? Because if, if I'm coming a full draw and I'm getting nervous about the fact that my pin's not – you know, holding as steady as it normally does, I'm going to start to get punchy. And then before I know it, I've got a problem with target panic, right? Like that's my, that's my thing. It's just like, you know, you stay away, avoid temptation kind of deal, you know, like do the same thing with target panic, like learn those, those warning signs and then go, if you're somebody that maybe you don't like hunting with the back strap or I, I shoot the silver back a lot, right? Like just know when to go back to those tools. Cause they are tools, right? Like know when to do those and settle into that and, and don't have it in your head, like just push through. Cause you might actually make the problem worse bef- rather than better. Yeah. yeah. That's been a thing for me is like, I'm like, okay, stop shooting. And it's like, no, you could go through it. You could push through it, Jerry. You could push through it just because you know, that's the, yeah. you know, and there's yeah. a time for that, but not right before opening day. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, like, I'm just as bad. I'm like, Oh, one more shot. That was a good one. One more shot. It's like another good one. I'm like, okay, one more. Yeah, you know, when, Dudley like, talks about it all the time on his podcast. Like he won't shoot on certain windy days, mm-hmm. you know, because he just he doesn't want to risk getting punchy. You know, it's I think it, it's just important. You got to know your limits. But again, that only that comes with time, right? Like yeah. I think it's kind of 
you either want to never get target panic or like you want to get it and overcome it kind of, which those are, that's the most obvious statement I think I've ever made on a podcast. But, you know, I think it's, it's kind of good if you overcome it because you know what's out there and then you can help other people with it. Cause a lot of people don't even realize they're punching. Like they just have no clue and they're all over the place. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, you're almost a benefit to the community if you're able to kind of push through it and help other people through it. Yeah. I, like I said, it, it's going to be, I think, a great tool. I would love to hunt with it. Maybe not this year, maybe later on in the year, the more I practice with it. But for sure, it is a great training tool. It's, it's nuts that I see people sell them. You know what I mean? Like I would see, you know, and I'm like, wow, uh, after actually doing it and trying it, it saved my archery you know, enjoyment basically. Yeah. And I know for the silverback, it did the same thing for me. I was having a really bad target panic only on live animals. Like I, I, I shot total archery challenge almost completely clean the last two years. And then like when it came hunting season, I would get really bad target panic on live animals and I would shoot them high for there's like two or three animals I did that on. And I just, you know, I went to silverback and I was really picky about the shots that I would take and, um, it, it really helps sort that out for me. And then I was able to shoot the you bear. Know, come, yeah. But, and then come whitetail rut, right. It was just, you know, it's just not that personally, it wasn't the situation that I wanted the silverback because things are moving. You got to pick windows, right. You're on the move. Like, but I was able to shoot the knock to it because I had gotten through that target panic. Thanks to the silverback. So they are, they're, they're just tools. I'm with you. It shocks me when I see people sell them too. And I'm like, you might want to hang around that because you, you might need that again yeah. sometime down the line. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like that thing that it's immediate. I, I don't know how to, the right way to say, it, but it's like you said, you, you might need it down the line. If it's not today, but it could be months from now, or, you know, when the season wraps up, get in there and start blank bailing, get in there. If you want to become a better, you know, archer, that's the the work you got to do. And, uh, so I'm excited. Like I, like I said, I'm, I couldn't be more happy. I've been like giddy. I'm like, I can't wait to shoot my bow. <laughs> you know, like, that's awesome. I've always been that way, but I, I've been shying away from that just because of, you know, you had that like disappointment in myself, man, like what happened to you, dude? Like, you know, you say to yourself and, now I'm pushing through it and I feel extremely good mentally and physically about it. Well, and I think a lot of times uh, it, it's not so much the, the target panic while you're out in the backyard, right? Or practicing a lot of time is trying to get that calm and, and surprise yeah. shot to transition into the hunting woods, right? You know, because you're in the backyard and everyone can look really good, right? You know, that target's not moving, you know, the yardage you kind of settle in that pin, but then when you get in the hunting situation, you know, that, that deer or elk or whatever you're hunting is, is moving and, and you got to pick your window and are you going to stop the animal or are you going to try to time that yeah. shot and be surprised the animal? You know, there's so many different situational things that make you kind of speed up. Right. And it's kind of trying to learn and, and carry over all that things that you're practicing to make that same shot that you do in the backyard. I want to ask you this. Have you ever stopped a deer? Yes. Usually I try to. Do you? Mm-hmm. That's, that's AJ. How about you? Cause I know like even Isaac, like you, you've stopped the deer. <laughs> <Hit Mert. laughs> oh yeah. You already know. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I actually practice doing the, you know, when I'm at full draw. Like, cause I'm, I'm already at full draw if I do it. I've, I've only done it. I don't think I did it on my 
book last year, but I definitely actually, did the first book that I shot. I did for sure. Actually, that's a lie. Usually for mule deer, they're like, stop and look at you. And you're like, and you have me to like do it. So most, so most of my kills, um, they've stopped. They're like, cause they, they're, they're like trying to figure out what, like, what the heck am I? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And pretty much that gives me opportunity to give me a shot off and boom every time. But I've seen with other people though, for instance, my dad, it actually worked. I was just like, Oh my gosh, it stopped. <laughs> you know, like, oh, like, no, way. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's fascinating just because I'm trying to think of opportunities and I know like I have, but like not so much more so recently just because couple of the opportunities I didn't need to, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a, a deer just like walking through and, uh, you know, it's either grazing and stops and I have that shot opening. I'm going to be able to, I'm able to do that. But I was just, you know, I'm just thinking of like editing your videos and like, I don't recall you being like, or, uh, like the last couple of those I haven't had to, or yeah. the one, the one last year, uh, I, it was coming through so fast. I had one opening and I had that pin kind of settled as soon as she walked through. Um, but you know, there was been times where probably the biggest buck I ever would have shot was at 15 yards and, and he was in the wide open and he was coming through pretty quick and I tried stopping him and as soon as he heard me, he 180 and, and sprinted off. So, you know, it, it cost me probably the biggest buck of my life, but you know, so it's kind of a give or take of, you know, everyone's yeah. going to have a different opinion wonder if uh do you guys have like a kind of a switch you got to hit when that buck's coming in and and you got to start thinking about go time yeah i last year there was a, a deer that dimitri saw up on top of more of a flat and i was down below uh on the ridge and he texted me hey i saw this deer be kind of you know be on the lookout and a couple you know maybe an hour later like kind of that midday move this deer started like working towards me and you know, you get excited and then it's getting closer and closer. And it's like, like kind of like you said, it's like, okay, go time. And I, the first thing I tell myself is breathe, calm down. And then he, that buck, he kind of saw, like I kind of grunted to him, nothing. He, he made it to maybe 55 yards and just looked and was like, okay, there's no other deer here. I'm, he just turned around and moseyed his way out of there. But that's the, I, my cue is just breathe. Just try to breathe. Um, when I shot my doe last year, the same kind of in that same vicinity, when Demetri and I were were hunting together during our rut vacation, I just I like at one point it was a doe, and I was just like I'm shooting his deer. So it was it was different. Like it was kind of like I'm shooting his deer. Let's go. And I I was so even keel. Like it wasn't like this like pure excitement. Like even afterwards, I was happy. I was like good meat in the freezer. Let's get down. Let's let's quarter this deer out. Let's get in here tomorrow. Let's get after a buck. So it, I don't know how to kind of explain that for for no, me. No, I get I get both of those. Yeah. How about you? I think think for me. I mean, I always kind of struggled of getting too excited, and and you know, there's a point where you see that buck coming in, and you know what path he's kind of generally taking. He kind of gets in range, and you you're like, man, this is gonna happen. So yeah. you know trying to calm the nerves and, and, you know, growing up and I never really saw many big bucks, you know, and, and things have kind of changed here in Pennsylvania where you're seeing much bigger bucks and it was hard getting used to that. And, uh, you know, kind of when I got back from college and, and when I didn't get to hunt very much, but, 
you know, and I, I think for me, even sometimes if I know that deer's coming in and he's not quite in range yet, I'll, I'll kind of just stare down at the ground and just kind of control my breathing and, and try to refocus a little bit and then try to slow the heart rate down a little bit. Um, and then when he's kind of nearing in, then I kind of settle into my routine. Uh, that way I kind of not staring at him the whole way in. And, you know, everyone has something different that, that kind of gets them prepared for that. That's good. I have to go full crazy guy on it. like I, for whatever reason. Cause I'm normally like very goofy and like nonchalant and I screw up every opportunity, even when I'm chill. Like I, if I see something and it's a shooter, it doesn't matter if it's a doe or a buck or the bear or whatever. Like I have to get in a, I'm going to F and kill you like <laughs> yeah. mode. Like I, I, like I have to get like super intense. It's, it's really weird. But every time I do that, I execute, 10 times better. It's just some stupid thing. And then afterwards I'm like, whatever, you yeah. know, like I'm, I'm totally chill about it, but yeah, I, I don't know. Cause I've gone through all those emotions you guys just described and I always screw up those situations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with me, like I, I'm like, it's very weird to say, like I've never experienced like the shakes till after it happens. You're right. Like, I'm like, I don't know if you ever seen, you know, Fred Eichler. Yep. Yeah, I'm like Fred Eichler, like, dude, I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh, throw, like, I don't know where my bow is, I just threw it somewhere, like, you know, like, spiked it or something, like, yeah, you know, but, I mean, one thing I would say for, like, with people with, who struggle with that is, if you're going, like, if you see a buck and you're going in on a stock or something, best way to, like, slow the heart rate down is to watch your steps, focus on your steps, focus on your, you know, like stalking in, like not trying to make too much noise, you know, cause it kind of like it evens you out. Cause like, okay, the buck's there. And like, now you're focusing, like you're stalking, you know, cause that stock's going to take you hell. Like it could take you hours. Right. You know what I mean? And that will easily calm you down, you know? And it's just like, once you get to that point, you know, like for me, that's what, with my success, I think for my take on it is, focusing on your stock like just being very like low profile stealthy you know and then that will really even you out in my that's that's just from my experience i could know? attest to that because when i was going after the uh western 11 pointer from from the pa meaning like you know a little big old spiker in utah last year that's what i was the one thing i said man i afterwards i was just so excited and i didn't I drew back, but I didn't take the shot. But I remember in the heat of the moment, just watching my feet, and it, I was, I was calm, and uh, yeah, you know, and I was going as slow because you think like you see this, you see this animal, you're like, oh, yeah. you know, you're getting like amped up. But once you start going and not stalking, you're like, now you're starting to focus on your steps. Right. You know, you're not trying to like kick down rocks. You know, trying to pretty much like stop in between. You know, like stand still. You know, I mean, it may suck but it's going to do you good in the long run. Cause it's done good for me. Right. Like I had opportunities a couple of years ago. I got guided in on them for some mule deer, but it was just so thick, no shot opportunity. But in the scope, I got a phone scope picture. You'll see me 40 yards from this four point, you know, just sitting there and you know, and it's just like, man, like see how it just gets you, you know, just take, take your time. Like be patient, you know, like, that, that's that's the way that's the way to do it man you know there's, there's definitely a difference for some reason when you're stalking in versus when you're in a tree stand too and, yeah. and i don't know what it is but there's something that like when you're it's maybe it's because you're initiating the engagement when you're stalking but i'm way calmer 
trying to stalk in on something or, or when I'm on foot versus like when you're in a tree stand or in an ambush situation, it's almost like you're, it's like winning, winning the lottery when something comes right in front of you, when you're in a tree stand, right. You're just right. like, you've been there for hours, days, weeks. Right. And then something comes through and you're like, you, you almost can't believe it. Yep. Yeah. Like there's a spot where I hunt on private nearby and uh, it's not a big parcel by any means. And I've, had opportunities where we go up after work and I just will walk around and I'll kind of stalk, like I'll see deer maybe up on a ridge and I'll kind of get as close as I can without being seen, play the wind. And I enjoy that. And I feel like when I've, I've gotten busted every single time I I've never had success doing that, but it's fun and I don't get mad, but man, the times like when I've missed a deer out of like a stand or uh, I mean, I, Man, it just eats you alive. Like, oh, you're ready to throw the bow out of the stand. Oh my gosh! Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I killed my doe. It wasn't really spawn stalk. It was more like I was walking to my tree stand, and as I crested the ridge, I just kind of like there's always deer in this one little field. Yep. And that's what happened. And I just waited for for it to just come by and just smoke there on a quarter away shot. But yeah, it was nowhere near like. Even just when like a medium sized buck rolls through, you know, chasing a doe, it's just it's funny how that happens. I've heard other guys talk about that too. That's interesting. Well, and I think that goes with experience too, right? And the more you do it, the the less it, you know, not that you're not going to get excited, right. but you are able to calm your nerves. You've been in this situation, your mental uh, comes comes into play, and, and you kind of. Uh, been through it before right so i think you know whether you're a new archer or you know maybe you haven't harvested a lot of deer i think it's a lot different with a bow than it is a gun right it's a little closer encounter there's a little more thought process that goes involved you know so you know shoot does right you know yeah. if you have the chance that's one way to practice and get excited or if, if you're legally able to shoot a four or six point you know go through that and you know don't be afraid to do that don't think like a big booner crockett buck should be your first right. buck and try to draw and go through that process you know practice in the situation right that's the best way to do it whether you have doe tags or you know um if it's a first legal buck that you can see you know if you're new to the archery that way you kind of get that practice and that rhythm and experience which is going to carry on when you get more advanced and you're able to look for those bigger bucks and that's what we i mean you have been king for that of saying like hey i want to try to shoot a doe as early as possible one to put meat in the freezer and two to get that under your belt for that year and feel well, confident especially i mean the northeast right those deer do not stay put right. after you make your shot right like you, you release and that arrow is moving but so are they so just learning how those things move and what your ranges are and where you have to actually hold that pin and release that shot you only learn that from doing it there's right. there's a buck on our property that's got two tufts of hair missing because my dad hit him in no man's land and then I hit him in no man's land last year. So it's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we were, I forget what we named him. I think it was Nikki six. Cause he's like a super <laughs> wide six pointer, but yeah, he's, he's matrix dodged both of us at this point at, uh, at 35 yards. So, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Dimitri, like you, you've got to, and my uncle used to tell me that all the time and, I, and we had limited tags where I was growing up. Now it's, it's not the case, but so we would always just wait for the buck. But the thing is, then you go some years where you get nothing, right? And now you've, you've, I really think hunting's a skill that it can atrophy. So if, you know, if you don't use it, you definitely lose it. And those, and the more time you go, you guys know, the more time you go without killing something, the more those nerves accrue over time when you finally see something and get that opportunity. Yep. So yeah, it's, that's great advice. 
I like it. Now, you, uh, Isaac, you've been hunting so far. What uh, what's the season been for you, uh, for these last couple of weeks? Oh, it's been awesome, man. Just uh, just not closing the distance. I'm just getting that like I was just talking to AJ um, when when he froze. I was getting more muzzleloader range. You know, like I've I've got like it's been it's so different. Like there's deer everywhere. Like I'm like, oh man, we got some good rain going on here, man. Because there's they're just back, you yeah. know, and, um, I took, uh, um, I think the third day I went out, uh, I took my buddy from, uh, PSE, the, one of the marketing guys up and, uh, his other buddy who's a sales rep for like Botech, um, spot, uh, tight spot, uh, black gold, you know, all them mm-hmm. and pretty much took, took both of them up, uh, found these. Uh, didn't find, see anything once we like from where we were. Then we like dropped down, and dude, we just jumped a ton of deer. Like I told him, I was like, I said, "Hey, this is what's gonna happen. I see deer in this meadow every time, <laughs> so let's take it easy when we go." And no, like no lie, like four does right there, just eating, feeding away, and a doe comes out like at us at like eight yards, you know, and we're just sitting there. I'm like standing still you know and i'm like all right and then she saw us like after five minutes dude took off takes off and just jumps like i'm like big three like big three point i don't know what he scores but he's wide uh four by four like once like i think he was like 160 Jeez. you know in class and i got within 130 yards and i was it was like closing it closing it and then they just walked off and i'm just like I was like, you gotta keep it cool, you know. It's just game of inches. But um, other than that, pretty much, uh, my buddy Kay took got in on the stock and made an awesome shot on this like uh, three by four. Um, as you saw the photo. Yep. So yeah, and yeah, it was awesome. It was a good day, and then I went back out um, solo and just closed the distance again at 150. Just just waiting man like they're just right there and they just keep moving so but but it's good though it's just good seeing deer you know like better than last year because of the heat and you know can just can't beat it man it's it's awesome it's good to be back so we'll have to go again just not vernal yeah not vernal (laughs) not again not not vernal Uh, and and yeah like i said like we were up there and I think it's like the first time, like we were the only ones up there. Really? Wow. Yeah, dude. I was like, I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Like, let me take advantage of this because, you know, and pretty, and we just saw like one hiker, and we're like, I was hiking trying to get like all the stuff gathered, and the guy's like, oh hey, did you guys get some? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, we did. You know, and it was the first one. You know, that doesn't. Uh, give you the dirty looks and stuff. He was just so happy. You yeah, know? that's but, cool, man. Any elk hunting coming up or anything? Uh, so we got so Dad and I got uh, antlerless elk tags. Sweet. Uh, up, uh, like any weapon, so that's good. So we just fill the freezer. I'm excited for that. So awesome. And pops uh, was had a successful Alaska hunt. Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, sick. Yep. Unbelievable. Didn't get mauled by a bear too. Like, yeah, like, dude, like, man, I was like, whew. I like, I get a message from the in reach. She's like, yeah, uh, 
grizzly bear on Frank's caribou, and I'm like, get your gun ready, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? His, his, his videos were cracking me up with going out there and doing all that stuff, but no, that's good for him. That's awesome. And like, that's yeah, a yeah. that's a hunt of a lifetime. Yeah, with the Kafara guys and Ironwood, you know, broadheads, like, dude, that's it's going to uh, be on a film too. So sweet. It's going to be coming out too. So it's going to be a sweet film. Uh, good family friend, like, Frank and David and David was had the camera, so David's like killer with it. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome with the camera. Like he he has some pictures of me when I was twelve when I was shooting too, like that are just unreal yeah. too. So, I mean, yeah, it's I'm excited for that. I'm so happy for my dad, you know, like he deserves that one hundred and ten percent. Like it's oh yeah. Man. So good man. AJ, how about you? What you you said earlier before we got on, you got uh coming home to New York and doing a little bit of Ohio and coming to, you know, we're going to be forced to come here to PA as well before you head home. So let's, let's chat. What do you got going on? Yeah. So I'm thinking, uh, I've been trying to nail down kind of dates and everything, but I think I'm probably going to hunt the, probably hunt Long Island for a little bit, try and get some does. Cause uh, they give you two tags, but if you fill those up, they'll give you more. They're they're pretty invasive on over there. So uh, I'm going to hunt with my dad, try and get some practice uh, and fill the freezer up. And then uh, we've got a trip in Ohio with uh, an outfitter scheduled. So um, some, some of our friends have had some success there the last two years. So really excited for that. That's the first week in November. So hopefully we'll hit the, hit the rut. And, um, and then after that, yeah, maybe, maybe back up to New York for, uh, for some whitetail on, on the family land. And, uh, and we'll see, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and take advantage of uh, the fact that Delta variant is ripping through Florida. So we're, we're still working remote. So I'm going to, you know, be working from the tree stand if uh, anybody asks. Yeah. So. Um, That's awesome. my, my camera will not be on for any zoom meetings for the month of november and uh yeah That's like awesome. hey AJ, you sound really windy what are you uh is your fan next to your computer <laughs> why are you whispering oh, it's my microphone it just it just sounds like that yep. now are you still AJ? are you still going to be for your mobile setup are you still going tree stand or are you doing you dabbling in saddle no, I'm still going tree stand. I, I really like the whole saddle setup. You know, I, I hunted with uh, with our, our mutual buddy, yep, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy Garaputo, who, you know, we hunted together Long Island um, opening day. And, uh, you know, we he got up there a lot quieter and he was carrying a lot less stuff than I did. But, um, yeah, still, I, you know, for me, the the whole hunting thing is really about the experience as much as everything else. It's, it's the reason I never hunt out of a ground blind, even though I know, you know, there are some opportunities that I would have been better off. Um, and I just love being in a tree stand. So, um, you know, I'm going to keep, uh, I'm going to keep the, the little Novik setup that I've got and, uh, and probably add some sticks, which that reminds me, I need to order, uh, an extra set of sticks, but, uh, but yeah, I'm going to stick with that for the season, but I've been running, uh, the accessories from tethered. Cause I really like that company. Um, you know, I've talked to Taylor Chamberlain quite a bit. He's a really good dude and, and they're putting out some awesome stuff. So I think, um, you know, I think if I was more dead, if, if I was starting to film hunts, I would definitely move to that setup though. Yeah. Just because you have between the camera equipment, your your regular gear, and then the stand, um, 
I mean, it's so obvious to me why you see guys more and more guys move into that, especially guys that are filming hunts. You need to get Novix to hook you up with, with that new Halo or whatever it's called, the smaller. I would love to. Listen, if you know a guy, I don't have a contact over there. I don't so. either. <laughs> I, got, I got all the contacts that tethered for you, but I don't have anybody at Novix. It's, uh, it's funny, yeah, because everybody thinks like, I, I don't know. Everybody assumes you just like get gear for, for free, free and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, no, I've, uh, I, I purchased, I can afford to buy my own gear. I can't afford to buy all the gear. Everybody wants me to test. So it is nice when companies <laughs> send stuff, but, uh, right. but no, it, it's, uh, it's good. I've been really happy with that stand. Um, I mean, it's, it's basically the lone wolf, right. Of years right. past. They just, they rebranded. So it's yeah. nothing to not like. Dude. Well, the two of you need to come here. Like we got to, I am down for that. Yeah. Let's get some orange on them and like <laughs> PA public land challenge. Yeah. Come, come out here and start ripping like with, with some orange on and just blast away with the orange army during rifle season. I mean, I mean, I know, I know we're bow hunters, but I mean, if you got to come because you're you guys got other plans going on, I, I don't care. I mean, we could even hunt still with the bow during that time frame. It's not like you have to hunt with the rifle during that time either. I mean, I'm looking at a 300 blackout that's been begging to get some blood on it. So, you know, we can we can make some things happen. There you go. Dimitri, oh, yeah. has, a, Dimitri has a new rifle, too, that he needs to get broken in because he shot all his deer last year with the bow. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to rip with the big era. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I am down for that, man. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, dude. We got to just make it happen. Now, last, last question, because I don't want to keep you guys too long, just because, you know, I, I, we all love, you know, talking about bow setups and all that stuff. What is, uh, Isaac, I'll start with you first. What is, if you could build your ultimate bow right now, what, what does that bow look like? And you could be like, it's the bow you're shooting right now. Cause it's been your dynamite, yeah. but, but what's, what's your, uh, bow setup? I mean, I would say, I mean, I probably would have two in okay. my opinion. Like I would say like the good old carbon aluminum, like that one, two punch combo, like, Carbon West, like the Western, like that's the Western hunting setup, you know, you're hiking long days, just minimalizing that weight, but still shooting tax down, down range, you know, right. you know, it's going to be like 70 pounds. Obviously that's, that's good. No, don't need 80. Cause I have that long enough draw length. Um, pretty much, uh, limb driven West, uh, slider sight. I'd say for me, I'd say dovetail, you okay. know, I'll do I'll just to get like, little bit more yardage um and then sidebar setup like 10 inch eight inch back you know pretty much and then for aluminum i would say that hybrid of a 3d and backup hunting bow put it at like 65 60 um same exact like accessories too as well and pretty much yeah i'd say i'd keep it as that like also for arrows too you know, I would do like, I do two different arrow setups. Like I would probably do one FMJ, one uh, five millimeter axis, you know? Sweet. Yeah. I do like, I, I do the FMJ obviously with a carbon setup and then do like a, a carbon axis with a, the aluminum pretty much, you know, I just have two different, keep it simple, you know? I mean, nothing too crazy, but I mean, yeah, I'd say that's mine, you know, also Single pin, yep. yes, single pin, both single, single pin. pin. You know, like I've it. always had, I've always had success with it. Like you know, I mean, and I will never change it because that's just, I just what I love shooting. What do you, you know? what, what's your thought, Dimitri? What your single pin? How, how, 
Uh, I really like it. Um, with my setup, I, I talked about this before in the podcast is, is trying to, the biggest mistake I made before was not kind of practicing with what my pin was set at in the stand. Right. Cause I had a lot of situations last year, especially during the rut where bucks were running, you know, I didn't have time to, to get a yardage. I mean, I had some pre range trees, so I had a, a real rough within a yard or two idea where that buck was at. Um, but I didn't have time to kind of dial my pin and I didn't do a lot of practice at different yardages, but you know, what I'm really doing focusing on this year is, is having that set pin at 25 yards. Cause I know, you know, a yeah. lot of my shots range from 15 yards to, you know, 30 is probably pretty, probably 80% of my yeah. shots, you know, and, you know, and if I go beyond that, I'm not going to take a shot unless I have a chance where that deer's either stopped or very slowly walking and I can range, yep. dial my pin and take the shot, uh, and, and be very comfortable with it. So I'm not going to take that quick shot if, if it's at that range. So what I've been doing is setting my pin at 25 and I'll set that target anywhere from 15 yards out to 30 yards and then kind of feel where my arrow setup is in those ranges. Um, kind of figuring out that up to 25 yards, I'm dead on whether I'm at 15 or to 25. And then when I get to like 27, 28, you know, I'm talking an inch or two. So it's not even that, that big of a right. drop. Uh, so I've been really focusing on doing that, which I really like cause I love the single pin with not having the distractions. You know, I don't know if it's some OCD or ADHD yeah. that I have going on, but sometimes when I get those multiple pins, I can't focus on one. So that's what I've been kind of practicing this year to really make sure I'm ready for those, you know, rut shots where the deer's coming through. You know, you you kind of have a rough estimate of that range, but you got to kind of make that quicker shot. Right. And I will, I, the reason why, too, I, I mean, I, you guys saw me, but, you know, listeners don't. When you were saying about 30 yards, I mean, the reason why, too, 30s, it's thick. You know what I mean? We, it's not like it's wide open where we're shooting into fields. I mean, if that were the case, we'd be ripping, getting ready for the Western tour again. Um, but that's, that's mainly why I kind of even going back to what I was saying earlier when I'm shooting, like as long as I'm good 35 or in, that's just because that's going to be my max shot just because of, of the terrain. So, yeah. And I, like, I, like for both of the setups, like for like my dream setups, like, you know, like that, I mean, I would keep, obviously the one I'm probably going to be picking up is that carbon yeah. most likely, but I would keep that double pin or the triple stack, yeah. you know, like those spot hogs, like that's just my go-to, you know, I've hunted with that fast Eddie when like two years ago and it's just been, it's just been that one man, like that yeah. double pin setup and like on that hybrid, I would just keep it like a, or one open, you know, just a simple single, you know, that's, you know, for that hybrid 3d, um, hunting bow kind of deal. Yep. So, but yeah, that double pin or that triple stack, like that's what I would probably run with on that carbon. Cause it's just, it's not too much, but it's on that single pin style of what I like. And yeah, you know, and it's very accurate too. Like, oh, yeah. you know, for, like farther yard, like further yardages. I mean, it's unreal. Cause when I first did it, I was like, Oh man, I don't, I don't know if it like, sights in itself that's kind of weird you know and then the more like i shot with it too you know and it was just more i did it it was like oh wow this actually pretty damn accurate. so <laughs> yeah that's been awesome nice so aj how about you dude so dream setup i've got uh expedite 
which is uh, what I what I ran last year for the later half of the hunting season. Uh, Hamski uh, limb driven rest, and um, I'm actually going to try out that new primer just for a, a budget option for people because I get that question a lot. Uh, and then um, the only Quattro, thing I don't mean to cut you off. The only thing yeah. that that you'll be able to tell people with for that primer is depending on a, the bow, it may not fit in certain bows. Yeah, I've heard. That's the same thing with like the Trinity. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that Trinity is just so bulky, man. Those, yeah. You know, if they if there's like a way they can slim that down, like it's an awesome rest. Right. But like you know, for instance, putting on a Hoy, they have like that riser, like that handle that comes over, and it's just like. You know, it's like this close to yeah, touching, it's so and, and it bug, and it bugs me because it's just like, dude, like, oh man, it's like, well, it still works, you know, but it's just getting any form of adjustment just does not, it's not happening, yeah, you know. Yeah. All right, you keep know, keep keep going, AJ. I like it, dude. So that expedite and a hamski rest. I like the quivalizer. I'm upgrading uh, to the new gripper, uh, the new arrow gripper that they have. Okay. Um, because the, the older one, the arrows would sometimes fall out when you would be carrying it certain ways, especially the micro diameter arrows. That was my one complaint with that system, but I love it. Um, it just cuts the weight down a lot. And actually, when we were down in San Antonio, the guys at Leading Edge, a lot of the guys that hunted out west would run that setup on Expedites and other bows. And it just reminded me how much I loved just the weight savings and having everything co- like just together and compact. And I like having the bigger stabilizer on the front because it's the same length as my arrow which last year actually helped me because i took my shot on my whitetail coming around the tree that i was in and having the awareness of the stabilizer coming around the tree versus hitting my arrow on stuff which you know a lot of people have done done in the past uh, i like that so i'll run that and then um with uh uh, this new site that's coming out that I won't talk about, but I like uh, a 0.15 uh, diameter pin. Um, that's, you know, a single pin setup for all the same reasons Dimitri laid out. I thought everything he talked about is exactly what I'm doing right now. And that's the other reason I like the expedite, even though it's only a couple feet per second faster than my other bows. Um, I can set my pin for where I'm hunting in the Northeast, right? I can run it at 20 or 25 and then I'm good out to, to 35 anyway, because that arrow is going to drop, but I hold my pin right in the middle of the, the center mass and the arrow is going right where the animal's going anyway. And if it doesn't go, I'm catching, you know, I'm still probably catching heart. So, um, so I, I like it for that reason. And then arrow setup, um, I don't have any right now, so I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what I would go with, but, uh, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I'm running right now, but I would run the, uh, the axis four millimeters with the titanium half outs and a hundred grain head, um, I'm running the, the severs for my mechanicals, like, uh, just like years past. And then I'm also, um, been running the Oz cuts as well. And I've been really impressed with those. Dude, they're they, sweet. They well, fly amazing. Yeah, they really do. And they're, they're really durable. They're a little, you know, you can touch them up easy. That's been the one complaint that talking to a lot of people is they said they came a little dull, which you can, I mean, you, you sharpen them up on a flat stone. It's not that big of a deal. And I like that I can practice them. Same thing. The, the things that drew me to the sever are the same things that drew me to the Oscut. So um, I've been talking to Nick and those guys over there and, yep. and they're good dudes as well. Um, but yeah, so that, that's what I would run. Cause those axis four millimeters, I love the knocks. I love the components. You give up a little bit on the durability cause that micro micro diameter shaft, but nothing has penetrated like those arrows. I mean, we were shooting, my dad's got a four, uh, 550 grain FMJ setup 
and my 450 grain four millimeters were getting twice the penetration his arrows were like every single time so they're just just crazy good but right now i'm running the axis with uh four fletch and 125 grain point and just the um just the standard inserts um that's just that's just what they really seem to like out of the the expedite so i guess a couple of grains by not going with the brass um this it didn't break down the 300 spines that i'm running so it's they've been grouping really really well sweet i like it guys awesome stuff well Fellas, I appreciate it. We got to talk after this uh, sometime and, and figure out that whole uh, Orange Army hunt here in, in Pennsylvania because yeah, we do. that that will be fun. I like it. Well, boys, where uh, Isaac, where could people find you, follow along, and see what you got going on? Yeah, just IG, Isaac.Olimon Jr. You know, not Isaac.Olimon. Don't worry about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he, gets, he gets too much love. Show me some love. Not that, not that guy. Ex-roommate, you know. <laughs> Ex-roommate. <laughs> yeah, I was just kidding. No, follow him too, though, for real. But, yeah. No, Isaac Allen on Jr. Instagram, you know. Probably going to make an archery page here pretty shortly. Just got to find the right name, you know. Some Something catchy, but. I'm sure something's in the works. Yeah, I was gonna say MySpace, but I got shut down. So. <laughs> That's awesome. And then uh, I'm AJ at uh, Knights the Apex, uh, Knights with a K, and that's on uh, Instagram and YouTube is uh, where I'm most active. I love it, guys. Thank you so much. Good dudes. Give them a follow. Awesome content. Great pictures. Great uh, bow setups. If you're into anything re- regarding archery in general. You got to look at these fellas, perfect people. Thank you guys. Till next time, Antler Up. That's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. want to thank you so much for checking us out. Be sure to head over to antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube. And until next time, Antler Up.